0: 702 The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener Live, online The 702 App, DSTV Channel 856 92.7 and 106FM Coming up on the show today, we'll get reaction to Israel's decision to recall its ambassador to South Africa for consultations. Later today, Parliament will vote on a motion to suspend diplomatic relations with Israel. The NPA is briefing Parliament on progress made on the Zondo Commission report recommendations. The former ESCOM head, Machila Koko, returns to court. Rolani Kumalo is back in court. There's two additional charges there. And we will unpack the worrying children's report. It's a grim picture for the country's kids. All of that over the next hour.
1: 702. Let's walk the talk.
0: Good afternoon. Welcome to the Madeira Report on 702 and Cape Talk with me, Mandy Wiener. Good to be with you today. We will take you to Parliament during the course of the show. The NPA is before the Parliamentary Oversight Committee today because they are giving an update on what has been done by the NPA in response to the Zondo Commission recommendations. I know everybody wants convictions, but they've been explaining, and we'll play you some of that audio about recapacitation, about how complicated some of these cases are. Uh, the former ESCOM Head Kokos is back in court today. Uh, Rodney de saying that there has been one conviction there. Is it enough for you? Would you like to have seen quicker progress happening by the NPA? Or do you appreciate the fact that the NPA was a key site of state capture? What would you like to see the NPA saying? Send me a WhatsApp voice note 072-702-1702, You can tweet me at Maddie Wiener as well. We start with the news yesterday breaking that Israel has recalled Ambassador Ilya belot for consultations and uh, that uh, it seems is very much a direct response to the fact that the South African government has also announced that it's recalling all of its diplomats from its embassy in Tel Aviv and it has issued a démarche as well uh, to belot all of this against the backdrop of the fact that later today in Parliament there is going to be a vote on whether or not South Africa should suspend diplomatic relations with Israel. So that's going to be happening at around five o'clock today. The EFF has put forward that motion calling on the government to close the Israeli embassy in South Africa and suspend all diplomatic relations with Israel. It does look as though the ANC is going to support that motion in a principle. Of course there are implications for this. Uh, for example uh, whether or not uh, we will still have an embassy uh, in Jerusalem that would be available to, to those who are in uh, Gaza as well. But let's speak to Sinau Tumble who is the EFF national spokesperson about this. Sinau, good afternoon to you thank you very much for your time the EFF has put forward this motion there was a mini debate last week what are you calling for
2: okay thank you Mandy and greetings to your listeners the EFF is essentially calling for the complete closure of the Israeli embassy until Israel agrees to number one ceasefire and the bombardment and ethnic cleansing that is currently going on in Gaza against the Palestinian people we're calling for them to abide by the United Nations laws with regards to their continued annexation of Palestinian people's land. And those are the conditions that will uh, ever result in us having any conversation with Israel having a diplomatic presence in South Africa and South Africa having a diplomatic presence in Israel. So we're calling for that complete removal. So the self inflicted removal uh, or consensus with is Israel to remove themselves. From South Africa for consultation due to what they call the comments by South Africans recent times that they deem our hostile. Uh is good riddance to bad rubbish in our understanding and it's not going to deter us and it mustn't be used by anyone as a basis not to support the mission of today. But calling to the ambassador for consultation and us calling for the complete closure of the embassy are two distinct, different things which South Africans must understand.
0: So now, do you expect to get this motion passed today? Uh, it looks as though the ANC may support it in principle, but do you think it will actually uh, support it in practice?
2: Look, based on uh, the ANC's uh, utterances over the past couple of weeks and months, through its Minister of International Relations, with them as a political party going out into protest action in support of people of Palestine and in condemnation of the violence against Palestinians by their the apartheid Israeli state, we expect. Support of the motion from the Afghanistan Congress today and the sentiments in the mini plenaries last week when there were debates also revealed that we are in consensus around this matter. They did allude to wanting to propose some amendments. We're open to that. This is not a political point scoring game. It's not about who introduced the motion or who is able to show more solidarity than the other. It's about creating solidarity in the defense of the lives of Palestinian people in Gaza who are being bombarded, who are having their hospitals bombarded, who are being told to evacuate, their telecommunications are off. When they can evacuate, those evacuation routes are bombed as well. So this is about those people. It's not about the differences between the ANC and the EFF. And we'll be glad if the ANC supports this, and then we expect them to.
0: So now, Otambo EFF National Spokesperson, thank you very much for your time. So that's happening later in Parliament today. Uh, that vote at about 5 o'clock. We're expecting that to happen. Uh, now, the South African Zionist Federation has condemned South Africa's increasingly antagonistic and discriminatory position against the world's only Jewish state. Uh, Africa for Palestine, a South African NGO, has welcomed the decision to recall Belosarkovsky ahead of the vote in Parliament. The South African Jewish Board of Deputies has also been commenting, saying it's a great pity that it has come to this. Mary Cluck is the Vice President of the SA Jewish Board of Deputies. Mary, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, two issues here I want to ask you about. Firstly, this decision by Israel to recall its ambassador for consultations. Where does that? Uh, what is your reaction as the Board of Deputies and, and, and what are your concerns around that? Hi, thanks for having me. I um,
3: Our reaction is one of, um, as you said, it's a great pity. It's actually a great sadness that a representative of the only Jewish state on the earth is not um, present in South Africa at the moment. You know, that that vilification of Israel over these past six weeks has come to this. It is an enormous sadness for the Jewish community, but also for all peace-loving South Africans. Because, as we know... It's very difficult for South Africa, who um, over the past weeks, and particularly the the government and the president, have um, hoped to put themselves forward as an honest broker in bringing about peace, which is what we all hope and pray for. And it becomes very difficult when a a diplomatic relationship is at this rock-bottom state.
0: Later today, uh, as I mentioned, there is going to be a vote in Parliament. We spoke to the EFF that has put forward a, a motion calling upon the government to close the Israeli embassy in South Africa and suspend all diplomatic relations with Israel. Where would that leave the, uh, the Jewish community in South Africa? And, and what is your concerns if this motion is voted through? It would, be, it would leave our community incredibly sad. I mean, not
3: to be, a, as I said, I've, I don't want to repeat myself, but um, the lack of representation is, re- is reflected in the fact that our country has no diplomatic relationship, if this gets, you know, goes even further, with the only Jewish state. And that's problematic for many reasons. And the motion that's being proposed, and I did hear your earlier guess. The, 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 I, I want to make two points. The first one is if there is no diplomatic relationship, it kind of flies in the face of everything that we have hoped and dreamed and believed of in, uh, as South Africans for the last 30 years. God knows we've got a lot of things wrong in this country. And, but one thing we've been brilliant at is the transition to our magnificent democracy was only possible through dialogue and communication. And we have as a country and the leadership of our country have made it abundantly clear that at all times, We need to be in communication with everybody. There is no way that we can make peace with our enemies, with our friends. We cannot in any way cut ourselves off from being a partner and and in communication, um, even in times of enormous difficulty. Mm. And cutting off any relationship with the only Jewish state that is in this incredibly complex um, conflict at the moment. It just, just flies in the face of that narrative that we have believed right. to be our, our, our greatest export. The other point that I want to make is I heard your earlier guest making a disgusting comment, and I think it was went along the good riddance or something equally unattractive. Un, un, un uh, do you know where that leads us? And I want to make reference to a post that is doing the rounds on social media today where the former mayor of Johannesburg, Chapele Ahmad, made a post and he's, he's photographed with this enormous automatic weapon um, that looks bigger than he is and taller than he is, saying we stand with Hamas we and Hamas stands with us, calling for violence. That's what happens when the rhetoric gets to where it is and uh, on shows like this. When people are spearing hatred and when parliament becomes a space for hatred, to be cultivated. We get incitement to violence that has no place in our beautiful country.
0: Mary, thank you very much. Mary Cluck is the Vice President of the SA Jewish Board of Deputies responding there to the motion in Parliament later today. As I said that's going to be happening later. The EFF putting forward that motion calling upon the government to close the Israeli embassy in South Africa. Lindsay Dentlinger, EWN reporter uh, will be reporting on that later. At the moment she is in Parliament reporting on that NPA briefing I told you about, so I'm going to ask her about both of those things. Lindsay, firstly uh, we are talking about the fact that this vote is going to happen later today there was a a mini-debate last week, so what can we expect to happen later today? Good afternoon
4: Andy, so because Parliament has such a volume of um, topics that different political parties once debated, you know, this is kind of a new thing that they've been doing for the last year or so, where they break up into mini plenaries. And so last week, uh, there was only a portion, those who were part of that debate, who took part uh, in that particular discussion that you've mentioned. Um, but no resolution can be adopted or approved uh, at that particular platform because it's only involved some MPs. And so essentially it has to be put to the vote to the full house, which is uh, what will happen this afternoon. So we don't expect the debate to be reopened because that has already happened. But essentially it will then come down to the actual figures as to whether that resolution get adopted or not. And what we have sometimes seen in the past, uh, and uh, well, there have now been developments overnight. And so don't know how that will now affect this particular a resolution, but we have mm. seen in the past that the ANC might propose an amendment uh, to that motion uh, in order for there to be agreement for it to pass. So um, we already know most of the opposition parties have said they wouldn't uh, support uh, that, that uh, motion being um, approved this afternoon, um, but we might see that some tweaks might be made to it before they vote, but essentially the, the session is purely to
0: vote on whether to adopt that resolution or not. Okay, so that's later on today. At the moment, Lindsay, you are listening to that briefing by the NPA in Parliament, Uh, the NPA's uh, senior leadership there, uh, giving an update to Parliament's Committee on Justice and Correctional Services on the implementation of the Zondo Commission's recommendations. What have they been saying?
4: So much of it, um, we've kind of had this update just over a month ago when uh, the NPA presented their annual report uh, to the same committee. Um, but this is really just a quarterly check-in by the portfolio committee to be updated on the progress. Uh, that has been made. And essentially, I think the concern that gets raised repeatedly, Mandy, is the pace at which these state capture um, matters are put on the roll, uh, are being investigated and ultimately um, being concluded. And we know that there's only been two out of three major cases that have made their way to court that uh, that have um, been concluded that the NPA uh, has won. And so the leadership here today, mostly wanting to, again, um, impress that narrative that Shamila Batoy, the NPA head, made in parliament. That was a false narrative um, that uh, nothing is being done, that the NPA is being too slow um, at getting these cases done. And really the NPA just impressing on MPs the kinds of complexity involved, Mandy, um, in trying to prosecute these cases and saying that internationally corruption cases take years uh, to bring um, uh, to the courts and to successfully prosecute them. Uh, but it is their view, Mandy, that once uh, the investigative directorate is made a permanent structure, that amendment bill is currently uh, before Parliament that uh, will see greater traction in the new year. Deputy National Director of Prosecutions, Rodney de Cox saying we should see the pace picking up in the new year. But it was certainly um, not um, uh, any fault for failing of the NPA, the pace at which these state capture matters are being
0: brought uh, to the court. Lindsay, thank you very much. Lindsay Dentlinger, EWN reporter in Parliament, speaking there about uh, what the NPA leadership has been saying, mentioning uh, Advocate Rodney de Kock speaking about the pace, the lack thereof. Have a listen to what he had to say. All
5: recommendations are addressed. Apparently, we finalised two recommendations with a conviction. Uh, there was one matter in which uh, insufficient evidence was found. Uh, some of the challenges uh, we have mentioned before uh, relates to uh, limited capacity. Our capacity within uh, the investigating directorate particularly needs to be enhanced and we hope that uh, with the creation of a permanent ID we'll quickly be able to move uh, to create that permanent capacity within uh, within the investigating directorate. The other challenge uh, that the committee is, is well aware of relates to the congestion on our court roles and the fact that when we bring any complex case to our courts, we have to compete with the existing court roles and the existing cases. And we know that every case in our country, every case on a court roll is an important case. And so and so it is always a challenge for us to get sufficient time to do these trials. We are concerned that some of these trials are being allocated late into 2024, and we think that there is some engagement that we need to do on this question through the committee, uh, through uh, the office of the minister, and through the office of the chief justice. So on the question of trial dates and the time that is made available by the judiciary for us to do this work, it is something going forward in the new year that we'll have to think about very carefully to ensure that when we enroll cases, that we are able to get these cases finalized speedily. So we'll have to do some more work in that regard.
0: Advocate Rodney de Cock there from the NPA speaking about the pace, uh, the court role, how long it takes. The Deputy Director of the NPA, Advocate Anton Duplessis, has also been talking about the recapacitation of the NPA, which, as I mentioned, was one of the key sites of, of state capture and what's been done to rebuild. Have a listen.
6: Bringing these matters to court, um, that can be very problematic. And we have to act, as you know, without fear, favour or prejudice and be perceived to be doing so. And these cases do take time. On what's being done to, to rebuild the NPA, I think it's also important to recognize that while the focus of much of the media attention and indeed this session before the committee is about state capture matters, that is a, a drop in the ocean in the context of what the NPA deals with on an annual basis. We live in one of the most violent crime, uh, ridden, conflict, uh, crime-ridden countries in the world, and the NPA deals with about 650,000 very serious criminal matters on its roll every single year. And it does so quite well, if you look at our conviction rates. Um, And that doesn't happen by default. Um, There is a lot of work that's gone into making sure the NPA can deliver on its mandate. And if you look at our overall performance, despite challenges along the way, in the last couple of years, we've significantly improved. So what has been done to build the NPA, rebuild the NPA, as the Honourable Reitenbach says? Well, first, we must recognise that it took almost 10 years to bring the NPA to the position was in. We had great people left in the NPA, but the leadership was decimated. The morale was decimated. There'd be no recruitment, no appointment, no training. The structures were in disarray. And the national director started in in 2019. uh, And a year later, COVID hit. So if you really look at the rebuilding time, we're looking at about two and a half years when the NPA's full leadership was appointed. And I think that's a significant step towards rebuilding. We appointed several uh, DPPs across our provinces, many of, most of them women, we appointed the top leadership of the NPA, because remember the national director started with basically having to rebuild its leadership team.
0: That's Deputy Director of the NPA, Advocate Anton Duplessis, explaining what's been going on in terms of rebuilding. Is that enough for you? Does it suffice? Do you have appreciation of the fact that this was an organisation that was hollowed out, eviscerated, or would you have liked to see prosecutions moving much faster? What's up, Mandy? On 072 702
7: 1702
1: hello mandy um just listened to this lady from the sa jewish board of deputies ah, i'm just glad israel recalled their ambassador and i'm also saying good riddance i don't know what's disgusting about saying good riddance um the ambassador has been recalled also mandy the south african jewish board of deputies must not act like they are the jewish voice in south africa so they should um Stop pretending to speak for all Jewish people in this country, and they are the ones who are disgusting. In fact, it's going. Got i
6: Hi, Mandy John from Jamestown. I totally agree with Israel. Who wants to be in South Who wants to deal with a corrupt, failed state, a government, of in- incompetent
7: thieves? Please, Israel does not need South Africa.
8: Seven O Two. The Midday Report with Mandy Weena. Let's walk the talk.
0: So yesterday, the EFF walked out of its disciplinary processes before the Powers and Privileges Committee. This is all to do with uh, uh, the charges being brought against the leadership of the EFF around the State of the Nation address. So what happens now? The hearings were expected to continue today. Babalo and Denze, EWN reporter, joining us. Uh, Babalo, good afternoon to you. What has happened today?
8: Uh, yes, indeed, when the hearings are continuing today or have started. And um, so they moving ahead and they will also be sitting tomorrow again. And so things are moving along smoothly despite the EFF or those six EFF MPs not being part of the proceedings as well as their, their legal team, which is, is headed by Advocate Tobi, who was also instructed by Julius Malema to leave the venue yesterday Um the EFF MPs were all appearing virtually. And only their legal teams were there physically, Mandy. So they, they had to walk out of that meeting. But it continues today and um, with advocate Anton Katz, the initiator in the hearings, or, you know, the prosecutor, to put it more simply, um, you know, leaving, giving closing submissions or closing arguments today. And he also read out a letter by the EFF, or the EFF's lawyer, that was sent to the state attorney where the EFF is now requesting, you know, to make written submissions on the merits of the case. And he says that, you know, them walking out yesterday basically makes this quite unlikely to happen because had they not walked out, maybe this could have been considered, but they walked out yesterday. So they're moving ahead with the proceedings and members are really putting questions to Anton Katz about, you know, possible sanctions or what are, are the appropriate sanctions that these EFF MPs could be, you know, slapped with. Um, they are charged with contempt of parliament you know, under the the Powers and Privileges Act. And, you know, um, Anton Katz says they violated the dignity of the State of the Nation address and the joint sitting. And they didn't take Mm. such a, you know, a sitting seriously. And a message needs to be sent that SONA is a very serious and constitutional event. And one of these appropriate sanctions, um, to quote Anton Katz, is that they miss next year's SONA in 2024. That they not attend, they, they be barred from attending, you know, and also maybe possibly suspend them with no remun- remuneration or no salary for a certain period, or also not take part in parliamentary activities, you know, for up to thirty days. So these are some of the sanctions that are being bandied about, or being considered by the committee. And so the the committee would have to be satisfied, you know, um, by the two issues that are at stake with them, in order to to impose the sanction. they obviously will have to be found guilty. So that's where they are at the moment, Mende, and they've just broken up now to to be able to attend the sitting that's happening in the National Assembly in a couple of hours. But, but the, the actual inquiry that's been the disciplinary hearing is continuing um, with, with no problems, Mandy.
0: Okay. So yesterday there was some consternation from the EFF around the role of, of Anton Katz SC as, as you call it, the initiator. That's the, the official title that he has. Has that now been resolved because he is continuing? Uh, what is the concern there?
8: Yes, um, Julia has quite angrily, you, know, um, you know, raised his, his concerns over Anton Katz um, being the initiator in the disciplinary hearings. But he's, you know, you call them all sorts of names, um, you know, some, some, you know, racially charged names during the committee meeting. And he says he also represented the DA and, you know, he labels him a DA lawyer. And um, so he says, you know, that's one of the reasons that they don't want to be part of this process. Because of anton Kent's history or his legal defense history representing some of their opponents in the past, and also the fact that the committee denied their request for you know a postponement to February January next year, as well as having a judge be part of the process uh, you know to to be part of the process to hear evidence and so that a decision can be made from a retired judge like they did in wilem Kwebane's inquiry, and those two applications were rejected by the committee uh, and these are some of the things that angered Julius Malema, which, you know, led him to make, um, um, to label, you know, cats, all sorts of names, um, saying this is a kangaroo court and they won't be part of it. Mm. But that didn't come up today. And, um, you know, um, they went straight into the business of the day. Maybe it's because there were no EFF MPs present. Maybe that's why it didn't come up. Right. Maybe, but the matter did not come up at all today. They just went straight into the final closing submissions.
0: Bobalo, thank you very much. Bobalo and Denze, EWN reporter, giving us an update there on that process underway uh, at the moment regarding the EFF. That disciplinary process before the Powers and Privileges Committee. As he says, one of the scenarios there is that you could see the EFF leadership being sanctioned, uh, and one of those sanctions could be not attending the State of the Nation address next year. Is that a scenario you would like to see happen? Do you think it's the right thing to happen? We have seen the EFF repeatedly in the past disrupting the State of the Nation. So do you think that uh, the leadership should be sanctioned or do you think that is a violation? They, they have every right uh, to, to do it, but have they brought uh, the Sona and parliament into disrepute by doing so? What's up, Mandy?
7: On 072
0: The EFF's hate speech about
3: Israel should not... The EFF's hate speech about Israel should not be allowed on any media it is disgusting they are so violent in the way that they handle things and if they side with hamas and they don't see how violent hamas was i'm sure the palestinians also would like to rid themselves of hamas it's not a battle between israel and the palestinians it's a battle between israel and hamas
1: mandy we understand that these legal cases take time to prosecute like Shamila Batoy was saying, but come on, it's been years, years. I understand Ramaphosa made a commitment to the National Assembly that six months after the, commission, the, the report was released, there will be imple- implement steps to implement it. We know that legal keys are complex, but come on, not this long, not this long. MPA is failing. Prince here in Bedford View.
0: Prince, thank you very much. A reaction there to the leadership of the NPA before Parliament today giving an update on the Zondo Commission recommendations and what has been done. i asked the question, whether or not it's taking too long, but do we have an appreciation for what has had to be done at the NPA to rebuild? Professor Jojo Tabane, thank you for listening, says on uh, X, we tend to give the NPA a free pass. There is no sense of urgency. The thieves, meanwhile, are covering their tracks. They too must be held to account. And there's a lot of merits in this argument, right? Because what tends to happen with with criminal trials is um, with the passage of time, we see the erosion of memory uh, and that can affect testimony as well. But at the same time, it takes a very long time often to, to build a case um, and, and to forensically build a case. So this stuff does take a long time indeed. Do you think we give the NPA a free pass? Would you have liked to see more urgency Or do you think that it just takes so much rebuilding, so much recapacitation that we need to be patient?
2: 702, The Midday Report, Monday to Friday,
0: 12
6: to 1 p.m.
0: Well, speaking of the courts, there's quite a few different court cases that we are following today. Of course, the Senzo Miiwa case, which we'll get an update on shortly. The former ESCOM chief executive, Machela Koko, has returned to the Middleburg Magistrates Court today, uh, expecting judgment there on an inquiry to establish if there's been an unreasonable delay in his case. Uh, And then also Tolani Kumalo, the former presenter of the popular drug-busting show, Suzuktola back in court for his murder trial today. So we're going to bring you an update on all of those court cases. We will start with Senzo Miyiwa. Komatsu Modise, EWN reporter, is there for us. Khomotsu, good afternoon to you. What's happening in that courtroom?
9: Good afternoon, Mandy. Well, we have one of the investigators, Sergeant Batsumu back on the witness stand, She was pivotal in the arrest of um, the second accused, that is Banu Danzi, as well as the first accused, Mugou Kulela She's been detailing what happened on the day, and really what the court um, has been trying to establish now uh, is really just comparing the testimony uh, from uh, Sergeant Bosmozi Mughani, who was on the witness stand last week and uh, you know, uh, the uh, uh, um, advocate George Balori, that's the state prosecutor, has really been comparing a lot of what Muhane said mm-hmm. in terms of uh, the alleged assaults that were put to him, as well as the different locations that the accused insists they were assaulted and suffocated in order to coerce them to testify. It's going to be really slow day today in the today, the course, Mandy, as uh, we had a bit of a delay earlier on with uh, the recording devices in court not working. So we are seeing momentum trying to be picked
0: up here in the Pretoria High Court. And any end insights for this trial within a trial? I know that I keep asking you this question um, because we like to see things happen. As we've been speaking about on the show, we like to see uh, progress being made in court cases. um, But we're still busy with this trial within a trial. We're still busy with the
9: trial within the trial and it does seem like it's dragging on, I think mostly because of the number of witnesses that the state has been calling. I mean, we've seen three different, um, is it three, yeah? I think it's three different investigators in this case um, testifying and they're all part of the same investigation team, that's the cold cases unit. We're still waiting for Brigadier Galinda, who's the main investigator in this case, to take the stand as well. And so it does sound very repetitive because many of them were in the same places at the same time, however, the state believes it's important that this evidence is led so that we can see whether the stories can be corroborated or the versions can be corroborated from each of the witnesses.
0: And Kamoto, before I let you go, I have to say congratulations because uh, you won a Vodacom Regional Journalist of the Year Award for, for breaking news for a crossing that you did on the show.
9: Yes, it was a, a casting that I did with you, Maggie, uh, on the arrest of Tabo Besta and Dr. Nandi Pao Makudumana. Uh, a very dramatic day on that day, and I'm, uh, I'm really glad that we could we could win that award.
0: Well, congratulations to you, Khomotsu. We're very proud of you, indeed. Excellent court reporting as always. Komato Modise, EWN reporter. Daily uh, updates from her from court, and she also won another award for the podcasts and the uh, the live um, work that she does on uh, on this case in particular. So if you want to follow what's going on on the Senzo miwa case Komoto really is the person that is up to date. Uh, she's been doing fabulous stuff on or on Twitter um, where she's been hosting discussions there and of course uh, that award as well for her crossing for the arrest of Nandipa Magudumana and Tabo Besta. So well done Komoto.
8: The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener Let's walk the talk
0: so, as I mentioned, one of the other court cases we're following is the court appearance today of Tolani Kumalo, the former presenter of the popular drug busting show Sizoktula, back in court for his murder trial. That court is due to determine whether the case will be transferred to a high court for trial. Taviso Goba, EWN reporter, is in that courtroom for us. Taviso, good afternoon to you. What's happening there today?
1: Good afternoon, Mandy. Well, it was a very short, it uh, was a very brief appearance, but um, sort of very revealing. Um, so obviously um, the, the decision from the director of public prosecutions um, the the, the the DPP decided that the matter will stay in the regional court, um, so it won't be transferred to a high court. However, Mandy, two additional charges have been added. Um, that's uh, obviously robbery with aggravating circumstances and then malicious damage to property. Um, the prosecutor also said something interesting, Mandy, that um, the witnesses... Um, On the day that, uh, on the day of the alleged assault or incident, um, there was three people, um, two people accompanying Utole and So there is going to be a, um, a, uh, a identity parade um, of all the TV crew members that were present on the day of the alleged incident. And um, obviously, um, the state is saying that we do expect that more charges and more people will be added onto this case.
0: And, and has there been any comment at all from the accused? Has, has he been saying anything?
1: Mm, yes, um, we, we, we did speak to him, Mandy. Um, he, we did speak to him after the court, And he's, he obviously said, you know, he's, um, he's a bit tired about this case. Um, he wants to get on with his work. We do know that he does have a foundation and he is obviously involved with private security and working with law firms. And working with, um, with police with police in terms of um, doing this drug busting that he does, um, but now obviously he doesn 't do it for moja love, he says he just do- does it for the love of the community
0: to be so, thank you very much uh, to be so Goba EWN reporter giving us an update there uh, on uh, that matter uh, as I mentioned that's Troyani Kumalo. Is in the Palm Ridge Magistrates Court. He's accused of the murder of Robert very Additional charges have been added there as well. So those are two of the cases that we are following. The third one is that of the former ESCOM Chief Executive, machela Coco, who's back in the Middleburg Magistrates Court today. Uh, There's due to be judgment there on an inquiry to establish if there was an unreasonable delay in his case. Uh, Coco and his co accused, that's his wife and his two stepdaughters, remember. They were arrested last October. Uh, they faced charges of fraud, corruption, money laundering, all of that to do with millions of rands worth of contracts for work at the Kusile power station that went to companies linked to Koko's friends and family. So the inquiry was ordered by the magistrate, Stanley Jacobs. He's hearing the case in the back of multiple postponement requests from the state. So Koko is saying throw the case out, Uh, I want to go to trial, and it seems like that is not happening at the moment. Uh, We were hoping to speak to Bernadette Wicks, our reporter. She's just sent me a message saying that court has just adjourned. So we'll go to a spot, and then we'll get Bernadette for you. And now, it's back to Mandy Wiener on The Midday
7: Report. This is 702.
1: Let's walk the talk. 12.49
0: 12.49 on the Madeira report. As I said, we're going to go straight to Bernadette Wicks, uh, who has just stepped out of that courtroom in which former ESCOM Chief Executive Marcella Coco uh, has been appearing in the Middleburg Magistrates Court. Bernadette, thank you very much uh, for joining us. So we do have some judgment. What has just happened there?
10: Um, well, the judgment is still ongoing. It is still being handed down, but we are actually going to um, go into load shedding shortly, somewhat ironically. Um, and because of that, they've just broken quickly to change over to a portable machine. But essentially, the judgment that's being handed down today comes on the back of um, an inquiry to establish whether or not cases suffered unreasonable delays and if the court finds that it has then there are various avenues open to it one of those avenues is to strike the matter from the roll, and we know that it's been over a year now and the case still isn't at trial so that's really the genesis of, of where we're at
0: what is the npa's argument for not going to trial on this matter well, the NPA's position is that um, it's it's pretty much ninety
10: nine percent complete in terms of the investigations, um, and that there are various statements outstanding. But one of the one of the reasons for this, or one of the reasons for the delays that it's put up, is that the that the ID is under resourced. And we did just hear from the magistrate who, who's presiding over the matter at the moment, Magistrate Stanley Jacobs, and um, that while they they can make this argument, the court needs evidence, and he doesn't believe that enough evidence has actually been put forward. They need to take the court into their confidence and explain why they're under resourced.
0: So Machila Coco effectively saying, "Strike the case because either we need to go to trial or my rights are being denied here."
10: Absolutely, that's exactly that's exactly where they are at, and um, we obviously have no idea which which way the court is going to rule at this stage. It's been quite a lengthy judgment so far, um, but but you know it is it is worth noting that the court has so far emphasised things like the accused. Their trial rights and um, like the need to, to conclude a trial quickly and timely.
0: Bernadette, thank you very much. Uh, Bernadette Wex, EWN reporter, who's just stepped out of the Middleburg Magistrates Court. Now, there are some ironies here, right? As Bernadette pointed out, the first one is the court's about to go into load shedding. And now we all know why we're in load shedding and how we reach this point. So there's some irony there. The fact that all of this has to do with uh, tenders from ESCOM and the work of the Kusile Power Station. The other one, of course, is the fact that we've just been speaking about the NPA that's currently before Parliament. And they've been speaking about Capacitation of the investigating directorate. And it will be a huge blow to the NPA if this court matter is struck from the roll. I think it will really be a blow because it's been significant, the fact that they've brought these charges against Machelo Coco. And if he wins this, and if the judgment does go in his favor, I think it's really, really going to be a significant blow to the NPA. What's up, Mandy? On 072 702
7: 1702.
8: Hi, Mindy. Isn't that the NPA should be
5: utilizing the State Capture Report as a reference? So, I don't think that the investigation should be difficult for the NPA. Thanks, David. Mindy Herman here, let's not forget that the contribution the, the, uh, or the budget of the NPA has been shortened whereas the VIP protection unit, the budget has been increased. So we are having our priorities wrong here. We're protecting the perpetrators and uh, um, disadvantaging those who are supposed to do the actual
0: investigations.
4: 702.
0: 702. Mandy Wiener. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m. A report has been released looking at the state of children in the country. It was conducted by the Nelson Mandela Foundation in partnership with Deloitte Africa as well. And it really does paint a a grim picture of what happens to children in this country. A few things that it tells us. Firstly, child mortality has surged. So in 2021, infant and under five mortality rates increased to 24.1 and 32.8 per 1,000 births, respectively. Uh, it tells us that 4.8 million children live below the poverty line. In South Africa, it tells us that one out of five children are victims of sexual abuse and that we are facing declining enrollment in early learning programs. Really, really worrying. Well, let's speak to someone who knows a great deal about this, Mpo Khawe, who's the founder of NGO Lintle Community Awakening. Uh, Mpo, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for, for your time. This report really does paint a grim picture of the reality for children in South Africa, doesn't it? It does. Unfortunately, it does. And one of our
7: main, you know, I was at the launch yesterday. I think that's why you were calling me to this afternoon. So one of the worrying things, man, is that, um, you know, statistics, are, are, are the data is there. Some of the things have been captured, but there is a lot that has not been captured, which we are aware of as people working in the ground, if I can put it that way.
0: You're so right. So the data paints a worrying picture, but your firsthand experience—what is that like for you with what you're actually seeing firsthand on the ground?
7: Uh, you know, it, you know we talk about healthcare, education, poverty, and employment, and so on. The one that is closest to my heart, and I think it's really, you know, the mother of them all, in my perspective, until somebody you know, convinces me otherwise is the relationships or lack of them. Because my whole point is that if we had a healthy relationships within the home, because I think that is where it starts, then we would have at least children who are able to speak to us about anything that concerns them. You know, their fears, their joys, you know, whatever. Okay, but our children do not have good relationships with us. They are not a talking relationships. They are afraid. They, 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 they withdraw from us. And I always say maybe it's because we as South Africans do not even know how to relate with one another in our homes. You know, mm. if I'm married and my relationship with my husband is not so good, uh, how will I give a good relationship to my children? They say you can't give what you want have. Okay. If I could just quickly run into one of the things that are really the the, the, the problems that are facing young young children yes, please. children which is suicide, taking one's life. I mean, how does that happen? Sometimes we see that it is bullying, okay? So I would say, how come a child who's being bullied at school is not reporting it immediately to the teacher or reporting it immediately to a parent at home? You know, is there something that the child knows that this person will not take me seriously or whatever? But I'm just saying, how are our relationships? as South Africa, starting in the home. If you know that the report says we should give a safe and secure environment for our children to grow in, are we doing that as South African? And I don't think we are. Who rapes Mm. the children? Is the adults that the children, uh, trust when the trust has been raped or whatever. Who will protect the adult that has done this thing? We tell Adults are busy protecting themselves against children when things cross uh, things are happening against children. So I would really start there that we should really look at our relationships in the effort of giving our children a safe and secure environment.
0: Thank you so much for the work that you do uh, on the ground. And thank you for speaking to us today, Mipo Khawe, founder of the NGO Lindklay Community Awakening, reflecting on this report. And it's harrowing. It really is frightening if you look at the findings. 4.8 million children live below the poverty line. She spoke there about uh, children being victims. Uh, One out of five children are victims of sexual abuse. The decline enrollment in early learning programmes, all of that really paints a grim picture.
5: The Midday Report.
0: Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, don't forget in Parliament later today, we'll have that vote, the EFF motion, on whether or not uh, South Africa should cut diplomatic ties with Israel. We're expecting that at about five o'clock later today. It's-